0: Welcome back to the Seamland podcast and in this episode I'm going to actually be playing you a replay of me being on another podcast by John Werner and uh, we're going to talk about the hierarchy of health or like what is my hierarchy of health and longevity and what are the most important things uh, that you need to focus on first. So it was a good re- recording and a conversation so I figured I would uh, share it with you on my podcast as well. So yeah, check it out. This episode is brought to you by Bio-Optimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough. Almost every person is deficient in magnesium because it's being depleted by stress, and on top of that, our foods are also much lower in magnesium because of soil depletion. Bio-Optimizer's has an amazing full-spectrum magnesium supplement called Magnesium Breakthrough. It includes seven of the most important magnesium types. Check out Magnesium Breakthrough at magbreakthrough.com forward slash seam and use the code seam10 for a 10% discount.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to the Swoleistic Living Podcast. I'm your host, John Warner, here with Seem Land. What a guy. Seem, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I'm glad to talk with you. Okay, so today I wanted to take you guys through a post that Seem made recently on his Instagram called the Hierarchy of Health. So for those of you that don't have a picture in front of you, it's a pyramid, and you know, it's a hierarchical structure. Uh, I'm going to run through everything real quick, and then we're going to kind of take it piece by piece. So the very bottom of the pyramid got sleep and circadian rhythms, then time restricted eating, then nutrition and diet, then exercise and muscle, then stress management, having a purpose, hormetic stress, supplementation, and there's a little graphic at the top. Does that mean anything? It's a little
0: heart. No, it's just a symbol okay. of filth and okay, vitality.
1: Cool. 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 Um, so. I'm, we're going to kind of do this in a weird way. I want to take he's such a wealth of knowledge on so many things. I want to go through his daily routine and everything. So we're going to see if we can get it done. Uh, sleep and circadian rhythms. Why'd you put that at the bottom?
0: Yeah, well, well, I think uh, in my opinion, uh, sleep is uh, probably one of the most important things for staying healthy and uh, also just uh being optimized in terms of like your body composition and performance so if your sleep is bad then uh, almost everything else in your uh, health is also going to just fall off the rails eventually like sleep deprivation is associated with many chronic diseases like you know uh, alzheimer's uh, insulin resistance diabetes obesity cardiovascular disease and uh, yeah just uh it's literally bad, like bad. it's a cool yeah. and
1: unusual punishment you know we can't even put people through sleep deprivation in prisons and stuff like that yeah. like it's torture
0: yeah uh, exactly and uh it's very and you know a lot of time people when they like they want to get in shape they want to lose uh, fat then they tend to focus a lot on exercise and diet which are important but they more often than not uh, neglect sleep uh, and this is like this very big uh like a stigma in society of uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead and uh, sleep is for the weak, et cetera, that's a, et cetera
1: that's a good Which point. is
0: uh, like a huge misconception and uh, it's a very, uh, it has a lot of uh, consequences on your uh, health and vitality. So, like, a lot of the times people may hit the plateau, they don't see any results uh, and they, they wonder what is the problem. Like, I'm doing everything right. And they may even think that it's, they need, need, need to push themselves harder. They need yep. to uh, have an extra workout. They need to yeah, like drink more coffee or whatever it may be. Wh- whereas in reality, they may actually just uh, they need to like, sleep more and allow the body to recover because sleep is a time period where your body is recovering and yeah. uh, repairing itself. So if you're, you're making you're your testosterone in
1: your sleep, you're making, yeah. uh, you rebuild some of your neurotransmitters. You, uh, your brain actually kind of washes the, the water around its neurons, your cerebral spinal fluid and it circulates it through your lymphatic system and drains toxins and all that. I love sleep. Sleep is like my thing because I had insomnia from Lyme disease. Like real quick, Mm, my short story, uh, didn't really care about health. Then I had a seizure in college, got diagnosed with Lyme disease and was like kind of had to figure it all out and, Mm. uh, sleep or insomnia and the neurological symptoms like anxiety and stuff like that were my main issue. And, uh, so I I really do prioritize sleep and I care so much about it that I kind of have shifted more towards the other end of things and I'm sleeping so much mm. and so well that <laughs> it makes it so that I don't have to train as much. I found, mm. um, I, how often do you train? I know we're kind of skipping steps, but, um, uh,
0: well, I, I, I do something like every day, uh, mm-hmm. like even if it is like uh, a few sets of pull-ups, I'll do it, yeah. uh, even every day. So uh, I do train basically every day, uh, like resistance training, uh, but, uh, i do like some cardio as well and uh, that would be like some longer walks or some like cycling or something but i do that maybe maybe two times a week. so you're not something. you're
1: not like so you're, you're doing it kind of in a different way you're not like banging out one hour workouts like three days a week kind of thing
0: like that like, i know I, I do i do I, I do those as well like uh i have let's say like a harder session uh every other day like every other day i do some like a like actual heavy resistance training where I'll, you know, get my near like one repetition maximums, et cetera. Okay. Uh, not, not, not one repetition maximums, but you know, close to that. So like a heavier resistance training and on other days I'll do like some easier calisthenics or like blood flow restriction training or some kettlebells cool. or whatever it may be. Yeah.
1: I'm very similar. I honestly think I train less uh, just because, you know, I, I, it's, you know, complicated thing. I, I got the line and all that. So it, sometimes I get, I don't want to push the stress too much, but mm. Uh, next to sleep, we got circadian rhythms, uh, yeah. which ties into sleep really well because your circadian rhythm is responsible for your production of cortisol in the morning. And when cortisol dips in the evening, your production of melatonin, which is how everyone knows it helps you sleep. Uh, yeah. what do you do to help your circadian rhythm?
0: Yeah, well, the most important thing is, uh, to establish this consistent, uh, sleep wake on a cycle and, uh well, the circadian rhythm is responsible for improving your sleep, but it's just involved with anything, everything else as well. And kind of research shows that that these misalignments in the circadian rhythms uh, are connected to many diseases and accelerated aging. So that's why I put it in the foundation of the pyramid as well, because it's kind of very linked to the sleep. But at the same time, like if your let's say your body's uh, clocks and circadian rhythms are out of sync, then you will just experience more uh, stress, more inflammation and more disease. Whereas if you're more aligned with the circadian rhythms, then everything is easier. Your body is already working like you know clockwork and uh, synchronized with uh, the other processes. Yeah, cool. I want to harp on this point. I talk about this a lot, so I'll be
1: quick. Um, real In the morning, you're, so their circadian rhythm governs literally everything. Your hormones are all released in a cycl- uh, cyclical fashion every single day. And the main zeitgeber or thing that kind of drives the whole process of it is light. But there are a lot of things that drive the process, like the timing of your meals, uh, drinking water, movement, all that stuff. There's so much to circadian rhythm. I think the most important things are your insulin spikes in the morning. Uh, The the specific timing of things is different for person to person. Uh, Your testosterone and your grip strength, they spike like between 3 to 5 p.m. uh, And, you know, then and melatonin is supposed to kind of rise when cortisol dips, when the sun sets. Cause the main thing that, that kind of drives that whole process is blue light from the sun. So mm-hmm. are you are you big on the, I know you're big on the blue light blocking glasses and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I do, I do use them and especially in the evening when there is artificial light and they would like in, in, inhibit sleep hormone production like melatonin. So using the glasses is a great way to just, you still, you can surf the web or use your computer before going to bed without uh, messing up your sleep and uh yeah you i do notice like a pretty big uh i, I do notice like a difference in my deep sleep uh, amount uh if i use them versus or when i don't
1: yeah they're they're they make such a big deal such a big deal yeah what time do you go to bed
0: uh i personally try to go to bed before 11 p.m so it's usually like ten thirty is my goal to get um And the reason for that is uh, because, uh, you know, we we mentioned these uh, cycles of hormones that happen throughout the day. So one of them is being growth hormone. And the growth hormone um, tends to be released most uh, around like 11 p.m. until 2 a.m. So I want to be in bed before 11 p.m. so that my body would kind of rise this surge of natural growth hormone. And, uh, you know, growth hormone is just very important for uh, slowing down aging, uh, repairing a lot of the body's tissue, burning fat, and uh, yeah, just uh, like a and building muscle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it, it's not directly like a muscle-building hormone, but mm-hmm. it uh, pre- prevents more of like the muscle catabolism or muscle loss. So it stops the uh, breakdown of muscle. So uh, you know, it's it's not going to make you build muscle, but it definitely helps uh, okay, cool. to prevent that.
1: Cool. And do you wake up with an alarm? Or... Uh,
0: usually no I, um, I just wake up with the, like the sunlight or sunrise so uh, that's for me around like 6 or 7 a.m and uh, yeah that, that's uh, kind of it's better to not use like an alarm clock that will like shake you up and uh, potentially cause like more grogginess or more like just uh, exhaustion because if you are taken out of like a deep sleep cycle in the middle of it then you may just experience uh, tiredness and fatigue because of that. But uh, if you wake up naturally, then it's um, more synchronized.
1: There are apps. I think that there are some algorithm or whatever that will wake you up when you're in REM sleep, which is what particular, so way sleep cycles work is uh, you get a bunch of different sleep cycles. They're roughly 90 minutes uh, per night, but you go into different stages of deep sleep and then go into REM sleep. And REM sleep's when you dream. uh, And it's when you're, most likely to be able to be woken up uh it's kind of like a it's weird but it's kind of like a lighter stage of sleep and if you wake up from REM sleep you'll be awake when you wake up if you wake up from deep sleep you'll be a little groggy so that's why alarms are kind of tough uh time restricted eating this one's a big one for you uh can you take us just through how you eat in a typical day
0: yeah uh well time restricted eating uh refers to basically independent fasting Uh, so it's a it describes the same thing where you confine your eating window on a daily basis in some shape or form and uh, usually people either like skip breakfast or or skip dinner and they eat within la, like uh, the most common one is being fasting for 16 hours and eating within eight hours uh, but there's also things like you know 20 and 4 or where you fast for 20 hours and eat within four um, I personally do something similar like that uh, but it's also maybe like one meal a day where Wow. Yeah, I eat my I eat my calories usually between between like uh, two or three hours uh, in the evening. So, and uh, how many
1: calories do you typically consume in a day, R- roughly? Like,
0: uh, well, I th- well, my maintenance is probably around twenty five hundred or something. Uh, so yeah, if I wanted to you know cut calories or something, burn fat, then I would eat like maybe two thousand. How much uh, you weigh? I'm uh, seventy nine kilograms, which is like one seventy five pounds, I think.
1: Wow. Okay, and are you? What kind of macronutrient ratio would would typically be be within that compressed feeding window for you?
0: Yeah, uh, I I don't like specifically count or weigh my mm-hmm. food, but uh, I it's 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 a, like a relatively high protein, uh, lower carb, moderate fat type of diet. So it's a more okay. like a mo- modified keto diet cool uh, it's, it's not like full ketosis but uh, i'm not like eating uh, a large amount of carbs either and i'm still in ketosis basically uh throughout the day okay well you're an active guy so you probably can get away
1: with a lot of carbs especially
0: if you have such a compressed feeding
1: window right. i just i'm what i'm just real curious what kind of carbs do you eat and uh like do you think you're more like a hundred grams a day you think you're less than that like ballpark
0: yeah i think uh probably around 100 uh okay. so i don't like uh i'm not worried about the carbs either yeah mm-hmm. because of the you know physical activity and the fasting so uh i eat primarily like this still lower carb uh carbs vegetables uh like a lot of uh, green leafy vegetables broccoli cauliflower i also like some you know uh carrots and beetroot and uh, tubers and those things so cool, cool. And, and like berries rice? Uh, not really. I, I, if I do eat carbs, then it's usually like, uh, potatoes. So I, I do eat carbs also maybe like, uh, a few, once or twice a week. Uh, but all, on other days I'll stay around like a hundred grams of carbs a day. How
1: long have you been doing a keto type diet? I know you've been writing books about keto for a while, but have you been like straight keto for like years or like, have, like how, how long have you been in it?
0: Uh, well, uh... I, st- I st- first started it uh, maybe like four years ago or even five years ago by now. So yeah, yeah that was uh, five years ago. And I did it more, pretty strict for like two years uh, without like a frequent uh, carb refeeds. But nowadays, I'm less uh, strict with it. Uh, so and uh, yeah, I primarily just focus on uh, keeping my carbs somewhat low and uh, eating them only based upon like whether or not they need it, uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's my performance and so on. So,
1: I know you're real in the, you're a biohacker, you know, but that means different things to different people. Um, I, this is kind of getting off track, but why do you do that? Why, why do you eat such a small compressed window and uh, do all these things to support your health? You obviously clearly have a very in-depth uh, daily routine, and people might be listening to this and be like, "What the hell? What are these? I mean, these guys are. Why do they do this?"
0: Right. Yeah. Well. It kind of goes back to why the time restricted eating is at the bottom, relative to the bottom of the pyramid. So, uh, well, there's a lot of uh, research showing that it uh, kind of has this u- some of the unique benefits um, compared to just regular eating, uh, one of them being this activation of uh, s- s- several these longevity gene- genes and pathways like uh, sirtuins, mm-hmm. uh, foxoproteins, autophagy, and uh, others that uh, ha- help the body to essentially slow down some of the aging process and uh convey some other some other health benefits like activation of these antioxidant defense mechanisms mm-hmm. strengthening the immune system yeah, uh, improving, yeah just improving uh, metabolic health and like uh, glucose tolerance and uh, that sort of thing
1: so are you trying to live longer or live healthier now or both
0: uh, well yeah, certainly like both, so mm-hmm. I, I yeah. see a reason why not to be doing it if you have like the information and yeah, uh, I agree. and uh, the the wits, so to say uh, but yeah like i w- I would still do this one meal a day type of thing even if the if it didn't have any health benefits just because of like the productivity so to say oh, like okay yeah and I just <laughs> I just prefer to be uh fasting throughout the day, stay productive uh, time management is also good for that, and uh yeah I you know. I would much rather eat like a large meal uh, than than like small frequent meals.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I don't compress my feeding window quite as much as you. Um, I think I I typically eat three meals a day. I just I need to be careful with not eating breakfast because sometimes if I push um, if I push breakfast back too much, then I get uh, a little bit overstressed. And uh, but what I tend to do is I tend to eat like a fat and protein dense breakfast, and then. Mm-hmm maybe a fat and protein lunch or maybe carbs and protein for lunch, depending on how active I am that day. And then typically carbs and uh, protein for dinner it helps my sleep. Uh, I, I did a, several bouts of keto. I did about a carnivore. Um, I feel good on them, but I, I like carbs. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I, I mean, carbs are good and um, I think yeah. I can get away with it. And uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, there's, I think, you the biggest thing is making sure your glycemic variability isn't going crazy. And it depends how, Mm -hmm. how strict you want to get with it with the feeding window and all that. But for me, I find that if I'm fasting a little bit in the morning, especially if I get some, maybe some movement in or drink a coffee or something like that. Uh, and then I have a perfect day for me would be that like fast for a couple hours, then have breakfast with fat and protein and I'll stay kind of burning ketones a little bit. Uh, and I won't get that blood glucose spike in the morning. So I won't get that crash in the afternoon and I can stay productive. Um, and then I can usually eat carbs in the afternoon just because I'm so active and uh, the, the, the habits that I have don't necessarily let my blood glucose go crazy. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, it's a it's, a, it's a, yeah, like an individual thing. And uh, also you're still achieving a lot of the benefits that you experience from the fast by keeping your blood sugar uh, low and uh, still doing some form of uh, the compression so this kind of like carb backloading as it's called where you eat keto the first half of the day and you eat carbs only in the evening is still like very you know you get a lot of the benefits and uh, especially in terms of like the stable energy so you're not like spiking your insulin and you are in ketosis at least like the majority of the day
1: yeah and you think I mean, the way I see it is if I, especially if I'm like like go for a walk in the morning or something like that, and I get some sort of just low intensity movement, I typically don't go crazy with the workouts in the morning, but that's just also bumping, I'm bumping up my autophagy. So like you, every time you work out, that's, that's autophagy. So, you know, if if you're going to kind of stack things so that you don't have to make your life super, super hard, if you want to make your life hard, that's fine. But, uh, I know we'll talk about stoicism a little bit later, but, um, that's that's what I found to work best for me. Uh, yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, like there are things that also stimulate autophagy besides uh, fasting and like fasting for longer isn't necessarily going to be better, so to say, and uh, it's not going to give you necessarily more autophagy. For example, if you are like fasting for 24 hours, but you don't do anything, you don't like exercise, you don't move at all, then you're not going to see as much autophagy as you would when you fast for only maybe 16 hours, but you work out in the time frame because like the compounding effect of the fast plus the workout would still, uh, yield you more autophagy results, uh, than 100%. just fasting.
1: I realize we haven't defined autophagy. Can you, can you tell everyone what autophagy is and why you would want it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, autophagy translates in, into like self-eating and it's, a uh, body's, uh, Process in intestinal process that recycles this garbage and debris that accumulates there from uh, just living and uh, expose your exposure to various pathogens or metabolism uh, is messy. That's why
1: we die. Yeah, I yeah, always just, are constantly saying that.
0: Yeah, like, it's, it's just help helps to clean house and is uh, associated with many health benefits like lower inflammation. Uh, in, uh, in other species, it helps to like prolong lifespan and uh, yeah, just. Uh, yeah, the idea is to uh, eliminate this garbage and uh, junk material, but it's also involved in many other processes. Like uh, it's involved in like uh, fat burning to a certain extent. It's involved in the immune system. And um, even even like uh, cl- you mentioned the clearing out some of the, the uh, junk uh, in the brain, mm-hmm. or, like through the lymphatic system. So yes. it's is involved in that as well. So it protects against like uh, neurodegeneration.
1: Yeah. So uh, this is just a personal question. I know on a lot of these ketogenic uh, like, fasting graphs i see they say like you don't get immune cell turnover until you're 72 hours into a fast mm-hmm. uh i would think that just be just because they want to preserve those cells that would be one you you need that once you, you lose your immune system you're probably pretty frail uh mm-hmm. you think it's that cut and dry you think
0: you're not getting any until 72 hours uh, n- not not really like uh it uh, depends uh, greatly on the overall energy balance of the body mm-hmm. so and when do certain flips or switches get uh, flipped so to say so uh, I, I do recall that study that uh, people refer to like the 72-hour study where the immune system reset happens and that study was done by Walter Bongo and uh, but they also found that the reason it took 72 hours had to do with the activation of a certain enzyme called the pka and uh, pka is a uh, it's involved in like ketosis and ketogenesis as well so um if you are let's say your blood sugar is low you're already in ketosis then you will probably see this switch happen faster because your, your body doesn't have to
1: okay essentially
0: cool. burn through that many carbs and like, glycogen and it's the same applies to like your overall health if you are like physically active you're insulin sensitive you're not overweight, you haven't been overeating calories, then for you to get into the kind of therapeutic uh, zone of fasting would also be shorter just because uh, because of like having a smaller buffer zone. So it's a matter of energy balance. And uh, likewise, you could also like in terms of autophagy, you can, again, like, speed up the process of going into autophagy. So you don't have to fast for three days or something. Yeah, you, can, yeah. you can fast for 24 hours. Uh, but Dang out a bunch up. of workouts and stuff. Yeah, you, yeah. You, can, you can do, like, a workout. You can take a sauna. You can take an ice bath. You can, uh, you can drink some coffee or something else. Or uh, make
1: sure you're in ketosis before you start your fast, like, the, ne- the yeah. first couple of days. Or, like, take some exogenous ketones or something before you start your fast. There's a lot of things you can do to kind of prime your body to get more into that fat-burning mode so it can right. it, yeah sure, um yeah. it also depends if you've done keto before and you have the, the cellular machinery to be able to do that mm. um i think so we cover nutrition and diet exercise and muscle uh you kind of touched a little bit about about how you trained but can you just give us a quick run through of just what a typical week of training would look like for you i know it's probably complicated but as quick as you
0: can uh well it's not that i actually like to keep it simple so i don't have good. any good i don't have any programming or i don't have any like a periodization uh, I just mostly follow my intuition and uh, <laughs> there you go yeah and like if I do train if it's if it's if it, if it is like a hard training day then I do try to you know push myself uh, as much as possible uh, within reason and uh, just to facilitate or give my body a signal to adapt, adapt and uh, yeah just on other days I'll focus on recovery but ba- basically I do maybe I, I do like I try to do like a heavy resistance training type of workout for one day and I follow it up with a rest day or some easy either some cardio or some easy movement and that resistance training workout can either be like uh, like weights from the gym or uh, calisthenics uh, with my own body weight uh, and uh, I cycle that you know back and forth so I, I do prioritize more like a resistance training and um, you know muscle muscle uh, re- exercises and heavy res- res- heavier, heavier exercises. what are your
1: favorite Movements,
0: um, I well, I do like like handstand push ups, and uh, oh, cool. those wow. are fun, but uh, like maybe muscle ups are cool, uh, ring muscle ups.
1: So, you do you, you you tend to like the body weight stuff more, like the bar and like that, the calisthenics stuff, or do you do you, do you like barbell lifts, kettlebells? Like, uh,
0: I, I, I like the calisthenics more, uh, okay. because it's like convenient and uh, fun, but uh, yeah. I do. I do enjoy like a good uh, gym uh, workout as well with like uh, weights. Cool. Cool.
1: Yeah. I've been getting really into kettlebells recently. Um, they've been so convenient with this quarantine because it's like, you know, I have two kettlebells, I think one's 65 and one's 25. And uh, I had the blood flow restriction bands as well. And I've haven't, I have the access to a gym now, but like back when I was like quarantine, quarantined, quarantined mm-hmm. I didn't lose any muscle. I had a sauna that was kettlebells, blood flow restriction bands. And I didn't touch a barbell for about almost two months and I came back and I was squatting like significantly more weight than mm. I left, which is crazy to me. Uh, like yeah. it, it's, it, I really do think that when you get your health dialed in, it's so much easier to keep muscle on and build muscle. Would you agree?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, like, uh, it's harder to lose muscle than it is to build it. Uh, and uh, maintaining muscle takes relatively little to no effort you you only need like a m- maybe like a few working sets of some heavier loads uh, per week to maintain the muscle and yes you would have to be like completely inactive for uh like weeks or yeah several weeks in a row
1: cool yeah good to know um
0: and especially like it de- depends on the diet as well if you're eating like a low protein diet or a calorie diet then then that's going to f- lead to more muscle loss compared if you're like keeping your protein high as well, then uh, you can, uh, prevent uh, more of the muscle loss.
1: I found that, uh, my biggest things that I was doing in quarantine that I thought kept the muscle on was, well, I wasn't getting exposed to a bunch of load, right? So the blood flow restriction bands were, were really helpful for that because they kind of stimulate that satellite sp- cell response like that you would get. Um, mm-hmm. also saunas, saunas, yeah have been proven to prevent muscle loss when in the absence of resistance training and uh, like you said a high protein diet that's the biggest one for you most people don't eat enough protein like i don't know most i don't i don't know like two people in my life that eat enough protein
0: (laughs) Uh, but
1: yeah do do you how much protein do you think you eat a day you definitely Mm.
0: uh well i am like cognizant of it and i do focus and prioritize it Uh, like on some days, if I do like happen to go through like how many calories and macros I'm eating, then it appears to be around like one sixty grams at minimum, up to two hundred. So it's yeah. uh, it is between like zero point eight grams to one point two grams per pound of body weight, somewhere around that.
1: That's exactly what I do, like hmm. the exact numbers. And I did not get that from you. That's wild.
0: Um, all right,
1: stress management uh what do you do to manage your stress
0: yeah well stress uh i i don't like i don't i live a pretty stress-free yeah, life yeah, like okay. uh, i'm i'm self-employed i have my own schedule i wake up whenever i want i go to bed whenever i want <laughs> i'm living in a natural like uh environment with uh, no neighbors and uh, where do you yeah, live i live in uh, estonia on an island so, so uh what yeah, it's a, it's like a rural environment uh, with uh, very little like people and it's uh, yeah, like a beautiful place.
1: So, all right, this let's talk about stoicism real quick. But first I want to say I, because of my Lyme disease, I have, I'm sensitive to mold Mm. and America, because we are a capitalistic society and drywall is cheap. We decided to build every house with drywall and drywall inevitably gets wet eventually because humidity and showers and stuff. And that means mold. So I'm in a weird place in my life right now because the place I'm currently in, um, it's my family's beach house and, uh, it just got sold. So I got to find a place to live and I've been looking around and, and trying to, to find a place that doesn't have mold. And everywhere I go into, as soon as I walk into the place, get hit with all these mold, it's just ridiculous histamine reaction. It's just not fun. So, uh, I'm looking to, uh, to like maybe buy some land to build a house or kind of do something similar to that. Uh, I think that's really cool that, uh, that you, you kind of secluded yourself a little bit. I'm curious, did you, do you have like a low EMF flow, like, 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 uh, toxin type setup? Like what, what right. why'd you, why'd you do that?
0: Uh, well I did that because, um, I just, uh, like it <laughs> or I, I, I find the value in uh, being able to, uh, living here so i i like i don't need to live in a big city uh because you know I can work when I, where, where like mm-hmm. from just my own computer and uh, yeah it's just uh it's just a huge health hack as well so say so you have to but, like spend less effort in trying to stay healthy like in this uh, very urban environment um but yeah. i i don't have like any like i don't have currently i don't have like any need to, mm-hmm. to do any specific like e m f protection or uh, like mold protection so to mm-hmm. say uh but, i know uh, you talk about it as sort of a hormetic stressor and,
1: and all that and i agree and i it just i can't take that hormetic stress at this point because sure, yeah. It, yeah
0: it's it's a it's a matter of yeah like how many you know stressors you have and how how uh, adaptable your body is to it uh but like if you are like worried about emf then the most important time to be in a low emf environment would be doing sleep uh so like sleeping with your wi-fi off sleeping with your phone on airplane mode and there are like some grounding sheets as well that you can easily yeah. plug into the wall and uh, get this uh, lower. Uh, I got one
1: of those grounding mats. I sleep on it every night. And on mm. this is actually kind of crazy. I got these the other day it's right here. This is a crystal. And I'm not a crystal guy, And but this is science. Uh, this is called shungite. And uh, there's little dipoles in this crystal. And uh, the way they're kind of constantly shifting and they can absorb... Uh, microwave radiation, and I feel a crazy, crazy, crazy difference when I hold them. And because I'm electrosensitive, and it's not placebo, it's just not. Uh, I just bought a fat uh, shungai crystal, it's like this big. I'm gonna put it next to my bed. And uh, I think because I can't get away from all the Wi Fi, even if I turn off my Wi Fi, there's like a hundred different routers around me, right now. Mm-hmm. so it's like, uh, but I've been sleeping with these in my bed the last two nights and I felt a huge difference. So, shungite. You should look it up if if you're electrosensitive. Um,
0: You may may need a big uh, rock if you're living in a city. Yeah, I'm going to
1: need a big rock. Uh, I'm not living in this city. No shot. Uh, All right. Stoicism. You talk about it a lot. Uh, I've dipped my toes. I read uh, letters from a Stoic, Seneca, but I haven't Mm -hmm. read anything from Marcus Aurelius. Um, I like some of it. Some of it is... You know, it's tough because it's like not even like a comp. It's just kind of like two people really that just talk about a bunch of shit. It's not really like a comprehensive theory. I want to know what stoicism means to you and why you were attracted to it.
0: Yeah, well, stoicism has yeah many kind of uh, like meanings, but uh, the the biggest takeaway for me has been just to uh, take to, to kind of realize that the world around you isn't uh, like uh, it's not uh, out there for your benefit it's a very indifferent world so to say and uh, us as individuals are like a very small parts in this large whole, and uh, we can't really control it like we are very subject to uh, all the randomness and chaos that uh, is like inevitable it's going to happen in some way or form and we can't really control it we can only just uh, focus on controlling our own thoughts and actions and kind of realizing that we are responsible for you know our own prosperity and uh, that sort of thing and likewise kind of realizing that uh, you know because of this nature or because of the world around us that it has a certain uh, way of being that we can control and we our human bodies also have like their own nature so to say we have certain metabolic processes we have the circadian rhythms we have uh, like our psychology they tend to follow also certain rules or laws like this natural laws, so to say and uh, we can try to ignore them or we can try to fight against them but that's going to just lead to more you know suffering and uh, discomfort or like you know pain or whatnot or like just you know disease so to say. it's going to just lead to more so disease uh, and
1: we accept reality on reality's terms
0: right yeah like yeah to a certain extent like the, you you shouldn't uh try to like, uh, yeah, make up for your, like, I don't like you shouldn't try to, yeah, live against the way natural order uh, functions, so to say, because it's just going to be unreasonable and it's much easier to f- go with the flow and just focus on the things that you can uh, control.
1: You posted, you just put this up in your story. I was, I was looking at this. Uh, you, it's a quote, desire makes slaves out of kings, impatience makes kings out of slaves. Uh, I think that's sweet uh but what i i mean we're humans right so right. we gotta desire stuff right, I mean, right, right. so ha- what where do you where do you draw the line with desire
0: yes it's, it's not you know stoicism do- does have the connotation that it's uh masochism or <laughs> trying to deliberately put yourself through like discomfort or mm-hmm. restrict yourself from pleasure or whatnot uh which uh isn't necessarily true like stoicism does embrace or does acknowledge the benefits of uh you know pleasure and uh desires it's just that it's never it's the, the idea is to not to become like slaves to them or not to become controlled by them like through addictions or uh procrastination or, or whatnot or distractions you're always like rather than being controlled by your habits or your routines you're you're the one who's controlling them and uh you also condition yourself to not take things for granted and you don't uh like uh you don't uh like start to, you know, lose your grip on things sort of, so so that you can't control it. Like, for example, a lot of the Stoic practices are uh, related to distance, distancing yourself from these uh, pleasures every once in a while, like fasting, like rather than being gluttonous and eating all the time, uh, you, you know, take a, one, a few days of the week or something where you... Eat a boring diet like or practicing
1: you, discomfort a little bit,
0: yeah, yeah, just putting yourself through this discomfort deliberately so that you could get used to it, uh, so that it wouldn't be scary and uh, so that uh, you would also appreciate your pleasure and uh, the fortune that you have uh, much more. So, like, you know, I was, yeah, I was uh, like, up like needs like now,
1: up, up needs down, uh, good needs bad, right? So, yeah, if, if you're only in the good, it. it you, you know, our, our nervous system. Our nervous system detects uh, changes, mm-hmm. right? So, like, think about if you're in, if you're listening to loud music, uh, it, or if you're in a concert and somebody talks at the same voice, you're not going to hear them because it's not a change in uh, vibration. And uh, I think that if if you're spending too much time in this gluttonous pleasure, like you talk about, yeah. uh, it stops becoming pleasurable.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's it's a called uh, hedonic adaptation. So uh, th- our, our our human psychology and bodies are able to adapt to any, like whether they be ups or downs, like we can adapt to an increased level of happiness or we can adapt to a decreased level of uh, happiness, so to say. So, uh, you know, if you are, let's say, a good example is a sugar. If you eat a bunch of candy and sugar all the time, then your taste buds become uh, habituated with it so, yeah, like you you need more sugar to hit the same uh, feeling and uh, to get the same pleasure. So you constantly up the dose like an addict. But uh, if you were to be mindful of that and uh, you either, you know, skip, you, you don't eat sugar for a, a while, then uh, your taste buds resets, your uh, psycho, psychological attachment to that food also uh, gets lower down. So uh, then like uh, eating sugar actually becomes too stimulating, so to say. So you become used to it and you... Actually, start to enjoy like healthy food, so to say, because you you know you yeah. you uh, yeah. distract, you d- distance yourself from that uh, for a short period of time. 100%. And the same can apply to like uh, you know these other other forms of uh, distancing yourself from pleasure. Like uh, you can you can avoid social media, you can avoid sexual encounters, you can avoid uh, sleeping on a bed. Like you can sleep on the floor or something. And uh, even like like the biggest kind of realization I has or one of the ones uh, with this was when I was in the military. So uh, you had to sleep in like the rain and in the snow <laughs> without uh, any like uh, real, you know, warm blankets or something. So you kind of realize, okay, so it's even sleeping in a bit, even sleeping under a roof, whatever kind of roof it may be is still better than sleeping, you know, underneath a bush somewhere yeah. in the middle. of And the I'm forest sure you still winter.
1: were able to go to sleep and in the end it wasn't, that bad right yeah like, so, yeah, you know, yeah yeah it they, wasn't
0: it wasn't like yeah that i t- that i died you just have to you started to shiver a lot and you eventually did, did fall asleep but uh, the point was that yeah like you realize how fortunate it is to have just a roof over your head and how fortunate it is to you know be able to dry your uh, clothes or right. uh, yeah like stay dry <laughs> at all in the first place that's cool that's real cool uh
1: so it, this kind of ties in a little bit to hormetic stress uh practicing discomfort all right. So that's that's a big theme that comes in with stoicism. Uh hormetic stress is is the same kind of thing. It's practicing discomfort. Uh and so hormetic stressors are little tiny stressors that uh if your cup is full and you can handle it, all right, that if you add them to your life, it, it's it's you kind of practice being stressed out and you develop more of a stress resilience like that's really simplifying it obviously each different hormetic stressor has its own little feedback loops but some common hormetic stressors are exercise right exercise is a stressor uh cold it's a stressor heat Mm -hmm. it's a stressor uh fasting it's a stressor but because our you know we're, we're animals right and we adapt to stress that's like the whole thing of biology uh, when you put yourself through controlled stress like that, you become more resilient. You adapt to it. So how, what kind of hormetic stressors do you use in your life?
0: Yeah, well, one of the ones you already mentioned, like exercise and fasting and uh, yeah. saunas. So uh, some other ones can also be like ketosis. Cyclical ketosis is a hormetic stressor so that uh, your body becomes like a conditioned to... You know, not be reliant on carbs mm-hmm. and uh, also be able to tap into ketosis uh, faster. Um, some other examples would be like uh, sunlight is actually like a hormetic stressor, it causes like some small amounts of damage, uh, UV radiation on under the, the skin, and you know helps to synthesize vitamin D and uh, actually That's That's protects you against uh, you know sunburn to a certain extent. But the key key uh, you know aspect of all this hormetic stressor is the dose. So uh, it always matters the dose and the, the frequency and the volume, so to say, that uh, if, you, if you're if you not able to handle something, uh, a particular stressor, then it's going to be actually harmful and it's going to cause some damage. So if you are like getting sunburned immediately in the first day of summer, then that's you, that's, you, that's you overdoing it. It's not that the sunlight is bad. It's just that your body isn't able to handle that uh, radiation. And so, yeah, but, but eventually, like after, if you, if you were, to, were to take it like a moderate approach, you gradually increase your exposure to the sunlight uh, over the course of maybe like a few days or uh, weeks, then you wouldn't get burnt and you would avoid also all the damage and uh, other problems related to that. So the same applies to all these other stressors like the heat yeah. and exercise. And you can't be, you sh- or you shouldn't be go out to run a marathon if you haven't run down before because it's going you know, to cause a lot like oxidative stress and uh, damage. Uh, You have to kind of build it up and uh, start where you are uh, at, so to say, because, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. the body is able to adapt to these stressors, but only if it has, like, enough time to recover from them and uh, not be overburdened on a chronically basis because chronic stress is also uh, really bad. And you can can become, like, chronically stressed out from any kind of these healthy things. Like, you can overtrain, you can overfast, you can... um, over, over, you over or cold, drink.
1: you can overheat, you can do over anything. Over yeah, eat, exactly. And you can literally over anything. This balance is key. For sure. But uh, yeah, an example of this would be, I, I talk about cold showers. I talk about coffee and going on walks, drinking coffee, going on a walk in the morning, all that. I do, I do that all the time. Like I said, stressful period in my life right now. A lot of different mm-hmm. factors that are causing the stress. And I just got exposed to a ton of mold. And that really, really messes me up. Uh, so, right now, I'm not doing any cold showers and mm-hmm. I'm training a little bit, but I'm really making sure to prioritize my sleep, not drinking any coffee. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. Uh, and it's different for everybody, but that's what I do and that's why I do it. Uh, supplementation. So, this is another thing that's very different for everybody. Everything's different for everybody, like diet, all that, but supplementation. Uh, I'm hesitant to ask you what you take because I don't want other people to just go out there and take it, but I want to ask you what you take, uh, but I want you to tell me why you take it. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, supplementation is very uh, individual. So the kind of idea behind supplementation is to just uh, fix some of your own uh, deficiencies or uh, some problems you may have, like whether it be nutrient deficiencies or uh, some uh, genetic uh, shortcomings that you can fix with uh, supplementation. Uh, but also like eat, but at the same time supplementation can also be great for just uh getting like an advantage like extra edge that you don't mm-hmm. uh, get from regular nutrition or uh, something along those lines so uh, i personally uh do take like a few supplements like um one thing that i think almost everyone needs is a uh, magnesium because uh like stress depletes magnesium uh insulin resistance depletes magnesium uh, there's also like um, about like 25 to 35% less magnesium in all of the foods that we eat. Uh, so or- yeah, because of soil depletion and the erosion. So that's why almost everyone needs like increased magnesium because of the crazy lifestyle and uh, the deficiencies in food. And like uh, like 70 to 80% of the population is uh, deficient in magnesium. So yeah, like that, that's one, one thing that you, almost <laughs> everyone uh, would probably benefit from. Yeah, uh,
1: I've been taking a magnesium three and eight just because it apparently across the blood brain barrier better, but apparently it doesn't get absorbed through the gut better. So what kind of magnesium do you take?
0: Uh, I take uh, magnesium breakthrough, which is uh, it has like seven types of uh, magnesium in it. It's uh, like the from bio optimizers and I, I think it has like, yes
1: magnesium breakthrough from bio-optimals right cool I'll, yeah. I'll definitely look into that yeah they have I,
0: the seven same seven main types of magnesium i
1: need a lot of magnesium uh it's also like you said it's you know not in soil and stuff and just the way that my nervous system is, is kind of wired uh and i think i have some of the mthfr stuff and and and, and all that it kind of it's a huge feedback loop with the mold that i don't want to get into but Long story short, magnesium is like a savior for me. So I've been taking it. Uh, what else? What else do you take?
0: Uh, I take... Uh, let me think. I, I do take like some vitamin D as well during the you know fall and winter months. Uh, but I'm not doing the summer. So okay. you know, like Estonia, there's not a lot of sunlight. So I do take like maybe one to two thousand i use uh during the these times of the year when uh, there's not that much uh, sunlight and i i prefer to have like vitamin k2 with it as well so to say so help help with the like the calcium regulation uti- yeah utilization of the vitamin d so it goes into the right place uh rather than just stay in the bloodstream so k2 is uh good for that um uh, i take uh like some these are organ meat supplements as well from uh, answers to supplements they have like good freeze-dried liver heart pancreas kidneys and those things i do eat the organ meats on a regular basis as well but uh you know on days that i don't do that or when i'm traveling then the organ meat capsules are, are perfect for that yeah um, what kind of organ meats do you typically eat uh My favorite one is like a beef heart is uh, I think the best uh, organ meat to get into, so to say. So it doesn't have like any crazy distinct taste and uh, actually is like a really solid, lean uh, meat.
1: I'm one of those psychos that actually likes the taste of raw liver. Um, (laughs) It tastes better than cooked liver. I don't like cooked liver, but I'll I'll eat it raw. Um,
0: I like like, like, uh, uh, liver with uh, like some onions. You fry it up. fry them up on a pan like yeah. syrup it, and it's uh really good as well that's what everyone's
1: been telling they said bacon bits too liver onions <laughs> and bacon bits that's a combination but i haven't yeah. done
0: it well you can uh, mix like patties with it or beef uh, ground beef with it so you can make patties out of that so that's okay cool that's fine or pate is also really good
1: are you taking any like anti-aging supplement protocols or anything like that
0: uh i do take like uh carnosine which is uh is is a, is a uh, like very good for these advanced glycation end products okay. and uh, just uh, lowers promotes like alkalinity in the, as well so it's a it is a like anti-aging supplement are you really that m- worried
1: m- about those advanced glycation end products with your like time restricted eating and, and carbs I, I i don't know but i just feel like uh, you probably have that covered right right
0: yeah i'm not like worried about it but it's uh, not going to hurt <laughs> yeah you're right you're <laughs> so right. I said. So uh, um, I don't see any problem with that. Uh, but also like creatine is something I take on a regular basis. So it's not only like for muscle building, but it's also like, anti-aging benefits, uh, supports methylation and uh, like cognition and yeah, just muscle function.
1: Okay, cool. I, yeah, that's interesting. How does it support methylation? I don't know that. I,
0: do you, uh, well, it's a methyl donor, one okay. of the methyl donors. Cool.
1: Yeah. I might have to get into that. I used to take creatine uh, back in the day and I, I did feel uh, an increase in cognition, but um, that's interesting. Okay, cool. All
0: yeah, right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have like a larger effect if you're deficient in creatine. So mm-hmm. like the studies show that uh, like vegetarians or vegans, they, if they take creatine, then they do notice like increased IQ and increased <laughs> cognition, but uh, it's less uh, pronounced in people who eat like animal foods and meat.
1: Yeah, so when I've gotten blood work, fairly recently and uh i i I have the high protein diet like you. so my creatine is always on the higher end of the spectrum um do you think that there's any potential detriment to well i mean there is but like are you worried about maybe bumping it too too high taxing the kidneys a little too much
0: or uh the creatine or the protein
1: creates well high protein diet plus
0: creatine supplementation uh, well not not really because um, you know the studies show that it's only it, it matters only if you have like existing uh, kidney damage or okay. uh, something yeah. or like insulin resistance or something yeah. so if your kidneys are healthy and you are healthy then it uh, doesn't have any negative effects and it in some studies actually improves uh, kidney functioning uh, okay like pro- in protein not uh, like if you're healthy so to say so I'm, I'm not like really worried yeah. about that
1: all right, cool I might give it a shot um awesome and you,
0: and like if you are worried then uh, you can just uh increase your like hydration make sure you're mm-hmm. drinking enough water uh, because dehydration can tax the kidneys and uh, then uh, like like maybe some uh, like uh you know baking soda can also lower the pH and like uh cool off the kidneys so to say so you can take like some baking soda not I wouldn't recommend taking it with the meal but yeah, yeah, yeah. like in, in, in the morning a little bit of baking soda can uh lower some acidity and uh buffer the kidneys cool. uh, but other than that uh, there's no um real concern that i personally yeah. have just if, if drink for water a healthy and, person yeah. yeah
1: um okay so last thing we skipped this it's on it's like the middle of the pyramid but it's important uh having a purpose
0: yeah what's your purpose uh well the well my purpose uh tends to be just being well, it's, it kind of shifts all the time. So my, my mm-hmm. kind of meta okay. purpose, my meta purpose is to always follow the purpose, whatever it may be. <laughs> all right. And like, uh, because, uh, you know, what, what I think may be my purpose right now may not be my purpose in like five or 10 years. Uh, so, it's, but, it, so, it, so it, this is
1: something that it, it, this is confusing to people because do you believe that there's an overarching meaning to life? I know this is a big ass question, but, right. uh, like just meaning for
0: everybody right well i i think uh it's more uh what we what we uh, make ourselves what the meaning what we make the meaning to be Mm -hmm. and what we make our purpose to be so we it's something that we have to kind of find ourselves and uh yeah we depend it depends a lot like just your past history or like circumstances and like events that have happened to you but it's primarily determined by how you react to those events and what kind of uh uh what kind of uh interpretations you made of those events like you yeah. know like one of the best books about this is uh Viktor Frankl's man's search for meaning so he was in Auschwitz he was a jewish psychiatrist and uh, he kind of concluded that one of the reasons why some people were able to um, get out of the concentration camps alive was because of they found some greater meaning in it whereas some the others who uh you know thought of it as like some injustice or whatnot then they those are just uh, perished uh, faster because they didn't have like some greater meaning that could uh, keep them alive and research does show that uh, people who have like a some sort of purpose or a greater meaning to live towards they live longer and they tend to be healthier as well like and that purpose can be like raising grandchildren or uh, doing some specific work or art or um, yeah, maybe running a country or uh, being in the military or providing some service or whatnot what or starting a business or something else. It's a very subjective, it, yeah. What like it's just the having like a purpose just gives you like a meaning to, yeah. to stay alive basically, because if you yeah. don't, if you don't have exactly uh, like a, to stay a alive. purpose, you don't have a purpose or reason, then uh, you will just um, experience more stress. And uh, like loneliness is also a stressor that, uh, like a lot of uh, some studies show loneliness is uh, similar to smoking uh, cigarettes and uh, smoking in general because of the stress and uh, the higher cortisol that's wild um
1: yeah placebo is a huge thing um and placebo is just anything that we can't explain so it doesn't mean it doesn't it's not real and a lot of psychology we can't explain so uh, there are a lot of i mean there's so many different theories on like the unconscious and why we do things and, and how we uh, developed, uh, you know, this particular wants or needs, or, uh, there's one theory, it's uh Dweck's theory. It's like a bunch of basic needs that, that humans have. And one of them is the need to control. And, uh, it's, it's a need of humans because you, you got to think even our psychological basic needs kind of adapted over time to keep us alive. And, uh, it, we need to sort of elicit a response in, in what's outside of us. Uh, in order to manage in this world and propagate the species, right? So now that we are at the top of the food chain, right, and, and it's, it's not like out of necessity and we're now in like creative mode, not survival mode, we have the ability to, to kind of choose uh, our purpose, right, or, or right. assign these different things. And the people who do that tend to have much more direction. So uh, some strategies that you can do to kind of dictate what you want out of life and stuff that I think is really, really helpful is, is journaling. Because okay? you can't, like if you just think about this all forever, like you're just going to think and you're just going to keep thinking. Okay? But if you write it down, then you're like, ah, that's real. Like I can see that. Um, do you have any kind of like journaling habit or anything like that? Or how, how did you kind of come up with with your, maybe not, your purpose now but just purposes in the past does it just become apparent to you or did you think about it
0: um well i have uh, journaled in the past mm-hmm. and uh, they did help to clarify a lot of things so that that was like part of the reason i did like decided to like start writing and become an author uh was from that um but yeah like journaling helps to like clear your thoughts and does create this meta-awareness about all the things that you do so you start to look at yourself from an outside perspective and uh, more objectively and um, yeah just make better decisions and kind of notice things better so you develop your intuition uh, like much more uh, profoundly and other, other things as well like you know meditation helps with that just uh, sitting down and being quiet or not being distracted by like whether uh, social media or uh food or other people or yeah like that that sort of thing because uh like it's very like one of the people are afraid of their own thoughts and they're afraid of uh, their own uh, inner dialogue because they're like some negative thoughts and emotions then to boil up from that but if you Mm -hmm. sit there and you let those thoughts arise then you can actually start to analyze them and you realize okay why am i doing certain things uh what's the reasons uh and yeah what do i want to do instead
1: yeah, that's cool. And that's like the intellectual approach to things. And that's what I tend to prefer. Cause I'm like a doer, not I'm, I'm, i I meditate, but to be honest, I don't really like meditating that much. It's not that, you know, it's not that fun. Um, but you know, there's the, the, the more passive way to do it, where you just kind of let your, you can observe, you can observe your thoughts or you can just kind of like, that's a thought and just let it kind of go. I'm like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. another thought. Let it kind of go. Uh, and you keep doing that. You realize all these thoughts just keep popping up and they just keep going and nothing else changes, you know? So it, it, it that can be calming to some people for sure. Uh, all right. Last thing you got any quote that's, that's stuck in your head or anything that you can think of.
0: Yeah. Like, I think my, I think my favorite quote, um, most of the time is, uh, like Carl Jung. And he said, shit, um, uh, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. I think something along those lines. So it basically means that it, it doesn't matter what the outside event happens or something. It's uh, your own response is going to determine you know what's going to the end result be. So yeah, it's a it's a matter of choice, so to say. Like I uh, I don't want to be in the winds of uh, you know randomness or, and uh, be controlled by those uh, random events. I would much rather <laughs> make it very conscious and deliberate, so to say. So it's I almost like uh, about like one of the biggest things I'm like I'm not I'm not uh grateful for uh, maybe being able to like learn or started to be healthy at this young age I'm much rather more grateful for being like deliberate about all those things that I have done so to say that it's, it's not uh, that everything I have done is a matter of my conscious decision to do those things like I don't have any it's, it's not like the, it's my nature to be I don't know healthy and productive so to say everything i have done is just a matter of choice and uh like uh, yeah putting in the work interesting man
1: hell yeah all right it was great talking to you uh and i hope we stay connected all right have a good rest of your day